His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love awesome song. That was a good word, Zach. It's awesome and true. <clears throat> Marty, the word, where's Marty? Everybody's in a different spot today. The <clears throat> word that you had during worship was awesome, too. It was, it was really the Lord. In fact, it's part of the message today. So um. <clears throat> so you got me, and I got something from God. So that's uh, going to be good. Um, <clears throat> a little bit of this. You've heard bits and pieces, and um, I don't know why I got a frog in my throat. I'm going to try to talk while I'm consuming a lozenge. This ought to be interesting. So if I get excited, and Kristen and Greg just duck if a piece of this comes flying out. <clears throat> so... Um, Anyway, some of you have heard bits and pieces of this because it's been something that's been unfolding for um, several years. <coughs> Excuse me, in my uh, <coughs> in my quiet time with the Lord and things that He's been speaking to me. But recently, um, He's really been speaking to me a lot about. Um, better look at the time. About uh, a sense of community and and what that means and and what our purpose is um, while we're here on this earth and what our purpose is in a, in a given area, in a community. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to, um, I'm going to go back and share with you um, a process that I've been going through for, as near as I could tell, it's been about four years, possibly five. Um, and I shared a little bit of this one time, and I don't remember who all heard it, but at any rate... Um, I have had, for about four or five years now, repeatedly, um, I'll wake up in the night at 2.22, or 3.33, or 4.44, or 5.55. I'll be driving down the road and just arbitrarily look at the clock, and it's 2.22. It'll be 3.33, or 4.44, or 5.55, and it happens over and over and over. And it's been, it's almost been like Groundhog Day. It's like just constantly happening and it's been this way for about four or five years and probably the most intense one um, <clears throat> was um, probably about a year ago maybe the beginning of this year I'm I'm in bed and I I'm asleep and I wake up at exactly 222 and so I'm okay you know what are you saying God so then I go to sleep I wake up again at 333 and I look at the clock and then it happened again at um, 4.44, and then um, I missed 5.55. This is all on the same night. I missed 5.55 by, uh, by about four or five minutes, and I, f and I remember uh, waking up and looking at the clock, and it was you know a little bit before 5.55, and I kind of chuckled to myself and said, oh, I missed that one, and I, so I fell back asleep, and all of a sudden, I heard this horn like a trumpet, like somebody had drove down our road and blasted their horn at 5.55 in the morning. I woke up, and it was exactly 5.55. And the Lord spoke to me, um, Revelation chapter 4, 
in the very beginning verse in that chapter says, and I heard a trumpet sound, and it was the voice of the Lord who said, come up here because I want to show you some things. Remember that? So, so I'm going to go through what these numbers mean real quick. Isaiah 22, 22, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his, sho- his shoulder so he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open. <clears throat> and I got a little note to myself to read this. Aren't computers amazing? You can hop from page to page. Um, in the Passion Translation, it says, I will place upon his shoulders the key to the treasures of David's palace. He will open doors that no one can shut, and he will shut doors that no one can open. And who he's talking about here was Eliakim. <clears throat> and Eliakim um, in the Old Testament was a picture of who Jesus is. So this this uh, verse, twenty two twenty two Isaiah, um, it's referencing Jesus. Uh, he's going to to carry this governmental mantle um, uh, to establish not only the kingdom but everything on the on the earth as well, and so um, it says, "On that day, I will appoint my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, to take your place. I will honor him by clothing him with your robe and binding your priestly sash upon him. I will transfer your authority into his hands, and he will be a father to those living in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah." I will place upon his shoulders the key to the treasures of David's palace. He will open doors that no one can shut, and he will shut doors that no one can open. Now, keep in mind, and just remember this portion right here. It says, and he will be a father to those living in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. So, um, it says that Eliakim is to have unlimited control. That means the doors he opens or looses are the doors of revelation, treasures, favor, and opportunity. And the doors he closes, um, uh, no amount of human striving will be able to open those. So if you think about the scriptures that talk about, even in the New Testament, whatever you bind on um, earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you bind um, in heaven I mean, loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And if you look up the translation of that, um, those scriptures can also mean um, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will already have been loosed in heaven. Okay? So the, the concept there is what, what the Father has already done, you will establish in the earth. Okay? Now, the other thing is, is that um, Daniel 2.22, uh, it says, he reveals deep and secret things, this meaning God. He knows what is in the darkness, and, del- and light dwells with him. Now, i got to tell you, over this four or five years uh, process, I've been frustrated because I would get these numbers, and I would journal them, and i write them down, and, I, and I'd pray. I've been praying into them, and it's like, God, I, I, I don't know what else to do. You know, I'm not getting a revelation on this. I would get little bits and pieces, but I'm, I, I don't, I know you're saying something, but I don't know exactly what it is. So Jeremiah 33, three, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. And, and this one in particular would frustrate me because I'm, and, and you can look in my journal and I, I wrote several times, God, I, I don't know how else to call to you. I don't know 
I don't know what else to do. You got to give me uh, some kind of revelation on this because I'm, you know, I I keep seeing them. They're constant. They're all over the place. I, I I'm not even looking at a clock, and someone will text me, and it's four forty four. You know, at, at the exact time. I mean, it just happens over and over and over. So I'm getting a little frustrated. Well, the other night, last week, I woke up at exactly three thirty three, and I could not get back to sleep. So I got up and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig it out." I don't know why all of the other years I didn't dig out what the Hebrew words meant for this, but this particular time I did, and I looked it up in my um, Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Awesome Bible, by the way. New King James, which is probably the best translation, even though Passion is good. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, <clears throat> just kidding. Anyway, um, in the Kingdom Dynamics Divine Revelation and Spiritual Warfare, uh, it says God promised Jeremiah, this is 33.3, that if he would call to him, not only would he answer him, but he would reveal to him great and mighty things that could not otherwise be known. And, and I've read that scripture, you know, all of these, these times. I've read that scripture over and over and over. But that word mighty is the Hebrew word batsar, and it's better rendered isolated or inaccessible things. The suggestion is that God would give Jeremiah revelational insight, revealing things that otherwise would be inaccessible or isolated. Such revelational insight always has been essential for a clear understanding of victorious spiritual warfare. One cannot pray effectively without insight into how to pray as well as into what things God truly longs for us to seek after in prayer without that revelation. Okay? Now, this time when I read it, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute, but this time when I read it, all of a sudden, some light bulbs went off, and it was amazing. And this is after about four or five years, and I shared it with Kim that morning when she got up, um, and, and it, was, it was all of a sudden, it was like, wow, I finally get this. And it had to do with my calling, okay? Um, Revelation 4, uh, and remember, I, I woke up at 444 all the time. Um, Revelation 4, chapter 4, is the one where um, John the Revelator goes into heaven and he sees the throne, okay? And sitting on the throne, it's a throne of jasper or diamond, and sitting on the throne is the Father and the four living creatures and the 24 elders. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which much, much which must take place after this. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to back up for a minute. Several years ago, before I ran for commissioner, I had a dream. And it was probably six or eight years before that, maybe. I'm looking at my wife. She's like, I don't, I don't know. But something. It was a long time. And in the dream, I was, at, uh, I was on the, uh, there was like this evangelist um, that was speaking but it was it was more like an angel, but he looked like a human. And he was I was in this stairwell, and he was at the top of the steps, and I was at the bottom. And I remember asking him, "Is there?" It's like he had been giving out assignments to everybody, and he was done. And I was I don't know how I was tardy or what I don't know I, I don't know how I got there at that point. But anyway, I asked him, "Do you have anything left for me?" And he said, "I have two choices. You can either take caramel." Or Jasper and I knew in the dream that uh, that Carmel was too far away 
um, and, and physically speaking, they're probably about the same distance from my house. But anyway, I knew Carmel was too far away, and so I chose Jasper. And I knew in the dream that Jasper meant government. I don't know why I knew that, but sometimes that's just how dreams work. You just know it. So when I woke up, I began to look it up, and I Googled Jasper, Jasper, Indiana, and come to find out it was actually named after Revelation chapter 4. It was it was um, it was named the city founding father's wife was a believer and she they gave her the the um, the honor of naming that town. And she literally named it after Revelation chapter four um, of the throne because it had to do with government. So I, I knew that. And so all this time I've known that 44 uh, 444 meant that. But there's also another part, Isaiah 44 um, verse three and four, it says, I will pour refreshing water on the thirsty and streams on the ground, on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your children, my blessings upon your descendants. And verse four says they will spring up like grass, blanketing a meadow like poplars growing by gushing streams. Now, remember what I read a minute ago about, um, Eliakim, that he would be a father to Jerusalem. So just keep that in mind. And then verse four, they, being your offspring, will spring up like grass, blanketing a meadow like, like poplars growing by gushing streams. And then 555. I don't know why we know that 555 means grace, grace, grace. I was looking for that this morning, and I ran out of time. But I know that there's a lot of scriptures that talk about five being the number for grace. And I knew that it was grace, grace, grace in this revelation. Don't know why, again, but I, I knew that. Um, but... There's something else with it, too. Revelation chapter 5 is the Lamb, Jesus, being the only one worthy. And this is the story of where John the Revelator, again, is um, um, the, the father sitting on the throne, and he hands out the scroll, or he's got the scroll in his hand, and nobody on earth, on heaven, or in the sea, under the earth, is able to open the scroll. And he begins to weep, and he begins to weep heavily because nobody's worthy and then one of the 24 elders uh, tells him don't weep because the lamb is worthy and then he looks and he begins to see the lamb this is that scripture then the lamb jesus being the only one worthy and able to open the scrolls or secrets by inference the only one able to reveal to us the things that must be pulled down and set up that's what this scripture is talking about. And in Matthew 16, 19, it says, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. <clears throat> so all of this that I'm talking about is, is revelation knowledge. It's a calling, and it's, it's certainly my calling. God has given me, you know, um, multiple dreams and, and um, situations uh, that, that confirm this, dreams of a, of a um, prophetic intercessor, um, you know, things that have transpired over the years. But I couldn't get away from, God, is this just for me or is this for the body? And last week, this was a couple weeks ago when I was getting the, when I got the new revelation, which I'll explain to you in a minute, on this, I was praying this. And then last week, this is Teresa's message. Now, some of you probably don't remember it because you've slept since then. Some of you probably weren't good like me and wrote it down. Just kidding. 
but here's what she says. This is what Teresa said last week. We have been called to be the governmental bodies of our area to legislate through prayer and spiritual authority. That was the confirmation that I needed to be able to share this with you. So I'm going back to the original uh, thing that I opened with, and that is this sense of community. Now, about a month or so ago, I was sharing, Michael had called us, and I was sharing with him, um, you know, what I was feeling about this sense of community and what our part is in that. And, and that's why this word is important. And it's good. We might actually get out of here early because I'm going really fast through this. But I want you to understand something. This is important. And it's, it's purposeful. There is um, <clears throat> a little book. I'm going to paraphrase uh, several things out of this little book. It's called The Throne Life by Joe McIntyre. You guys remember that book that we talked about um, a couple years ago called uh, Who We Are in Christ. That was also by Joe McIntyre. Teresa shared on it. I pestered her for like a year to read it, and she finally read it. And she's like, wow, this thing is amazing. So anyway, um, it's, a, it's understanding who we are in Christ, okay? Well, this one is understanding the throne life um, that we are literally called as joint heirs with Jesus to, um, to sit on his throne. Um, and so he had a really cool revelation in this book that I, um, I had never heard before. I'd never heard it this way. You know the scripture that says um, that uh, some 30, some 60, and some 100? You know that that scripture. I always kind of took that to talk about the you know the financial blessings you know or things that you you know that you'll you'll um, some will receive uh, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred in in your in your um, investments in the kingdom that kind of stuff. But anyway, he's he looks at it completely different. The some thirty, he says the thirtyfold understanding. He relates it to your your understanding of the word of God. So the 30-fold understanding of Scripture is discovering that we are sinners in need of a Savior. That's the first level. We give our hearts to Him, and we receive His cleansing for us and for our sins. And He, he kind of looks at it like uh, milk, bread, and meat, 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I'd never seen that before. So, so when a newborn babe gets the milk, what, what is it? They're getting their hearts right with God. They, they've, they've acknowledged, they've discovered that, yes, I am a sinner. I acknowledge that and that I'm in need of a Savior. That's the 34-fold understanding of the Word. At the 60-fold understanding, the Word begins to be bread for us. It is the same Word, but it has more substance. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, it's the exact same Word. But your understanding is enlightened. And I love your word this morning, Marty, because this, this is part of this. This is part of that revelation of the exact same word, but understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for us and who we are, okay? So at the 60-fold understanding, the word begins to be bread for us. It is the same word, but it has more substance as we partake of it. At this stage of growth, we long for personal victory over sin in our lives. We learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, and we come to fuller understand <clears throat> the meaning of what Jesus actually accomplished for us. We learn to get up quickly when we stumble and receiving, um, and receiving the finished work of Christ for us, not allowing condemnation to keep us in self-pity. At this stage of growth, we realize that the enemy we must primarily deal with 
is no longer the world, but our own carnal minds, as we learn to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I love what you shared because this, that first little book that I talked about on the um, who we are in Christ, that's, that's what that, main, that book is mainly about. And it's about the, the finished work that Jesus Christ already did for us on the cross, that he already sees me as kind, as pure, as holy. He already sees us that way, even when we stumble. And so when we're a new Christian, we tend to waller in that, and we're not effective because we're getting condemned and beat up all the time. And we got to get to a place, we've got to get that 60-fold understanding where we begin to understand that, no, Jesus Christ already paid the price for that. He, he already did that for me. And I, I simply ask forgiveness, and I walk on. It's just that simple. And I begin to see myself the same way that he sees me under that revelation. The, the last one that he gives is the stage um, of maturity or level that I want to focus on today, and that is the hundredfold understanding. And again, paraphrasing Joe McIntyre, this is an upward call in God to bring us into all that Christ Jesus has purchased for us. The resurrection power of the Holy Spirit seeks to raise us up into the fullness of our place in Christ, seated with him in the heavenly places, literally sharing his throne and his authority to reign in the earth. As we learn to rest in his finished work, we effortlessly exercise the authority of Christ as we discern what the Father is doing and what the Father is saying. We partner with him in the manifestation of dominion. We enter into the reality of sonship. Now, one of the chapters I did not read to you yet is Revelation uh, 5, or verses rather, Revelation 5, 8 through 10. And when the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb had taken the scroll, and they fell, when they saw that the lamb had taken the scroll, they fell face down at the feet of the lamb and worshipped him, each of them having a, a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet fragrance incense, excuse me, which are the prayers of God's holy lovers. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the lamb, because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us back, excuse me, you purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, and people group and nation. And here's the, here's the key, chapter 10. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Now, what does that word reign that word reign means to govern. Now keep in mind what I, I shared in the beginning, the thing that God's been putting on my heart about this sense of community and, and what our purpose is in it. Now, I'm going to back up just for a minute to that word, um, um, that word in Jeremiah 33.3, and it says, call to me. That word is a Hebrew word called, uh, uh, that's pronounced kara. To call out to someone, cry out, to address someone, to shout or speak out, to proclaim, often describes calling out loudly in an attempt to get someone's attention or for calling upon the Lord or upon his name. Okay, so now I'm going to get to the meat of everything, okay? Our job as believers 
is literally to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. We were not saved to sit around and wait for our time to die. And if you think that's why you're here, you're missing the whole boat. You're just totally missing it. In that progression of, of the 30 and 60 and 100 fold, that's, those are maturity levels. Now, ironically, you could, you could be walking in a hundredfold on, on a particular passage and still be in a 30 and another. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about generally speaking over the whole word of God. It's our job to move into that hundredfold place because in the 30, your focus, just like a brand new baby, is, is just on you. Okay, that's it. I mean, that's a brand new baby. All they do is they cry when they're wet and they cry when they're hungry. That's all they do. And they need milk. The next level is you're focusing on you, but you're wanting, you're focusing on you because you want to live a holy life. And and that's a good thing. You want to live a holy life. You're trying to step out and be who God wants you to be. But the third level is I've already accepted what he's done for me. I'm standing in victory, and now I want to be purposeful. I want to affect my community. I want to affect the things that God wants to establish in this earth. You see the maturity level? I'm no longer focused on me at this point. I'm focused on Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. What he says, I say. What he does, I do. And that's what it is for us. This word, um, kara, to call out to him, that, um, that points out to us that we have a responsibility in this. Now, Jesus Christ is the revelation. He is the one that opened the scroll. He's the one that gives us the words of knowledge to establish a kingdom. Okay, we can't generate that, but we have a part. And that part is to get rid of the clutter, to get rid of the, the busyness, the things that keep us from listening to the Father. The whole key to this is intimacy. And I can't remember the author's name. He's a, a famous uh, pastor. But he wrote a book, um, uh, several books, but there was a children's book that I just loved when, I was, when the boys were little. And, and it was a king and his son and three warriors um, and the three warriors one of them was going to earn the hand of the of the king's daughter but they had to do it they couldn't figure out which one so they had to do a test and so one of them's strength was was power he was strong he could he could whip 10 men in a second the other one was fast nobody in the what was it? yes max Licato. Nobody else could run faster in the kingdom. He was, he was swifter than anybody else in all the troops. And the third one was wisdom. And so the, the, the key was which one was going to win the princess's hand um, in marriage. And so he, the king devised a test for them. And there was, a, there was a woods in this book that was full of danger, that was dark and dreary, and almost nobody could ever escape out of it because there were demonic forces in there that would confuse you, they would get you in self-pity, they would get you beat up, and you know you had to be able to get, you had to be able to navigate that. Each one of these warriors could pick one friend to go with them. 
So the, the, the powerful guy, I forget who it was that he picked, but he picked his friend and he tried to get through the woods, never made it. The swift guy tried to get through the woods. He picked his friend and he, you know, obviously he didn't come out of the woods alive. And then the, the man who chose wisdom chose the son. Um, oh, and I got I to gotta back up and tell you. The, the key was, the, the key to getting through this woods was the king would stand on his balcony every day and play his flute. And it was a song that only the king knew and, and that was the only thing that would guide them through the woods. And the, and the man who chose wisdom said, nobody in his own heart, nobody knows the father's song like the son. And so I'm going to take the son with me because no matter how many other, and, and these demonic forces in the woods, they would begin to play these counterfeit songs and it would confuse all the people and they would hear that. And then they would get pulled off into danger or, or, or die. But the son could distinguish because his, his level of intimacy was so great that he could distinguish between the real song and the counterfeit songs. He could hear the father's voice or he could hear the father's song. And so he chose the son to go through the woods with him. And he came out and he got the princess's hand. But the point of the whole story was intimacy. It's our intimacy with the Father. Now, a year or two ago, Jared, um, well, I'm going to back up and tell you my dream first. I had a dream, and I think I shared this with you before, but I had a dream. And in this dream, I was in a cave, and it was a huge cave. And there was all kinds of commerce. There was shops. I mean, it looked like a busy street in downtown Jerusalem. I mean, there were shops everywhere. But it was in a cave, and a cave, obviously, in a dream is like a secret place. And there was all kinds of um, there was all kinds of monuments and and um, um, you know to things that had been done in the past, to like great works of God and all of these kinds of things. And you could visit; it was like an entire city in this cave. And I went in the cave, and I made the comment that I don't care about all of those things. I just want to find the center. So I found this road. And I knew somehow in the dream that it was a sinner, and I, and I sat down in the middle of the road, and there was commerce, con distractions, confusion all around me, and I could feel this little, this little seeping of warm air coming up out of the floor like it was a, like a hot air vent. And so I sat down next to this thing, and I closed my eyes, and immediately I was ushered into the presence of God. And then the noise and the confusion got real loud and I opened my eyes and I was totally, it totally yanked me out of there, uh, out of the presence of God. And I was, I was getting a little nervous. I was getting worried like, Oh gosh, I missed my only chance. You know, I, I, I was there. I was almost there and I missed my chance, but I closed my eyes and in a second I was able to, to um, block out all of that distraction. And immediately I was ushered right back into the, to the, to the throne room. And I, I walked up to the throne of God and Jesus was sitting on it. And this is what he said to me. Now, um, you got to understand that I, I, um, I'm not a, a humble person by nature. I've dealt with pride all my life and I pushed and pushed and pushed. And I, I begged God to take that from me because I hate it. I hate proud thoughts. And I, I went right up to the king, uh, to the, to the um, throne and the Lord looked me in the eyes and he said, you don't understand that I am your humility. 
And when he told me that, and this, Marty, is exactly what your word was. And when he told me that, I had the most amazing euphoria flush over me. And I'm an old druggie, so I know euphoria. I never had any euphoria like that from a drug, I can tell you that. I, I was so happy and so content and so at peace. I mean, it was amazing. And my immediate thought was, I want to live even more holy out of gratitude for what he just did for me. Not to be good, not to be accepted, but out of gratitude for what he already did. It was amazing. So so what I learned in that in that process was is that no matter how busy you are, no matter how many kids you have, no matter how many demands on your life there is, and we're busy and we have legitimate things to be busy for. And they, and they bother us because we're so busy, but not, no single person has an excuse. In the midst of the busyness, you can close your eyes and be instantly ushered into the presence of God, and you can hear his voice. But you've got to be the one to close your eyes. You have to be the one that proactively sits down, that proactively says, you know what? Not in our house. We're shutting the TV off. We're going to do something to get quiet before the Lord. If we, if we sit down and do it with our kids, then so be it. If we lock ourselves in a closet so we don't hear the kids, then so be that. But whatever it takes, we're going to do this because we're going to be the ones who hear the Father's song on the harp or the, the flute. Okay, so um, this is the prophetic word that I got out of Oh, I want to share Jared's um, vision. Not, not well, I had the, the dream probably the same year mom had the heart attack, so it's probably been eight years, seven years. Um, a year or so ago, Jared got up here and shared an awesome word. He saw, I think it was a vision, I don't think it was a dream, but anyway, he saw this, this wall of fire. The entire wall was nothing but fire. And he said, we had... Um, we were standing back here, if I remember the dream correctly, and he said all across the floor were like bodies and toys and just junk, and we had to we had to step over everything. It was it was like distractions everywhere, but we kept stepping over them until we got right up to the wall, and then we pressed our faces into the fire, and that was the same time God had rebirthed in me a desire to fast. Well, actually birthed it in me because I fasted for years and I never liked it. Now I love it. Um, so he had to birth that in me. But anyway, in that middle of those fasts, he began to tell me um, the, the biggest thing I heard, almost the only thing exclusively for some time was get the clutter out. Just get the clutter out. And so then Jared confirmed it with that vision that he saw, the 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 fire I had another dream that um, I had written a book called the magnificent fire of God. That magnificent fire is what we need. Uh, but at any rate, in order to do that, we have got to be proactive about getting the clutter out of our lives. We have a responsibility. A friend has a responsibility to their friend. You cannot say that I'm the friend of God and then live however you want to live. You cannot say I'm the friend of God because I go to church once a week and sing some worship songs. That's not what we're here for. That's a beautiful thing. 
and it's a wonderful thing, but it's not what we're called to. We are called to be the hundredfold um, revelation people that establish community, that establish the kingdom of God in our places of employment, in our community, um, at the courthouse, whatever it is that your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. That's what we're here for. And he has chosen to make us co-heirs. Now, this is powerful. If you, don't, if you don't get that or that sounds hokey to you, look it up in the scriptures. We were co-crucified. When you accepted Jesus Christ, the picture of baptism is that, that you were literally co-crucified. You died with him, and you were also raised with him up to heavenly places, to sit on the thrones and exercise authority. And I just read for you, um, chapter 5, verse 10, that we are to reign in the earth. Now, why is that? Because I'm telling you, and God has been speaking this so strong to me, we are coming into a place that if you will take the time to have the intimacy, you are going to begin to hear um, words from the Father that you will immediately speak and you will establish there will be words that you will immediately pull things down in the spirit and you will immediately establish things in the spirit and you're going to see the physical manifestation of it in your in your community in your place of employment you may do it under your breath you may do it out loud it just depends on what the situation is but it's going to be immediate and you're going to see results immediately and this is the, the privilege that God has given you as a believer. He is the one who chose to make us co-heirs. He is the one that chose to make us, uh, to give us authority to reign on the earth. Not because um, we did anything great, but because he chose to make us co-heirs with the Son. And this is powerful. We've got to get it, though. We've got to get this. It's a, it's a proactive thing. This is not, in other words, when we get up in the morning, it's not, oh, God, thank you. Keep me safe on my trip and, you know, have a good day and I love you. Instead, it's like, open my eyes today, God, and show me what needs established today. Heidi would say it's stopping for the one. But whatever your, your life entails, show me, God, what you are saying and let me hear what you're saying and let me see what you're doing today so that I can establish it in the earth because you've given me that you've made me an ambassador we're the light of the world we are the salt of the earth if we're, if we're the light of the world we we should not be put in a basket over our light and hanging out in the corner that's not what we're there for and we're also not there in this sense of community just so people will like us. Yes, of course we're kind. Of course we love them. Of course, even when we don't agree with the, their lifestyle, we still love them. I'm not talking about beating people up. I'm talking about establishing the truth. I'm talking about a calling that we have to be, um, uh, to be his hands and his feet in the, in the, on the face of the earth in our communities. And there's word um, just a, f a few days ago can't remember the fellow's name but it's about a new great awakening and i've been praying this i know all of the overseers have been praying this for a long time we're asking god for a new great awakening because we need that it's not going to be about just passing some laws 
it's got to come up from the heart. The hearts of the people have to change or we're going down as a nation. That's just all there is to it. We have to, God is getting ready to do that. And I'm going to tell you something. When it happens and it breaks loose like it did in the Finney revivals or in the, in the other great awakenings, there's no physical way that the pastors alone can carry that. There's no physical ways that the pastors and the overseers can minister to everybody that has to be ministered to. There's going to be messes everywhere. There's going to be babies everywhere. There's going to be people in all stages. And you're going to have to have wisdom and knowledge and hear the voice of the Lord to be able to establish them in the kingdom. To know when they need milk, when they need bread, and when they're ready to stand up and start establishing themselves. Okay? You guys, all of us, are the ones that have to do that. Every one of us, we're, we're called to that. That's who we are. And, and don't take my word for it. Dig out these scriptures yourself. If you want me to, I'll email them to you. You can pray into them. I've been praying into this for about four or five years now, this repeated thing. And it's, you know, it says by the mouth of two or three witnesses, why would God give this to me over and over and over for five years? I'm telling you, it's a message to us. It's a word. It's a, an encouraging, prophetic word to us. And he's getting ready to do this thing. But it's also a warning. Don't allow yourself to be consumed by the busyness of life and, and not be effective in this. At the very least, you're going to see it go right past you if that's you. And I know that's a hard word. It, it can make you squirm. But it's the truth. It's the truth. And we've got, to, we've got to be in that place that we're willing to do that if we want to partake of what it is that we're called to partake of. And this is the word that he gave me. There is coming a new understanding of authority through revelational proclamation where we hear a word or see a vision and immediately call it into being according to the Father's heart. This is how we establish community in our place and in the earth. That's it. Fast to beat me up when we get home. Um, let's stand. Father, I just thank you for this. I thank you, God. I thank you that you love us so much, God, that not only did you save us, but you made us friends. Lord, that you literally made us co-heirs with Jesus. And Lord, we tell you right now, we want to, um, we want to take on that responsibility as a friend lord it's it's your work we rest in the finished work of god all we have to do is make ourselves available we have to be intimate with you so that we can hear your voice and then we literally by your grace get to establish what you're saying to establish so it's not a big heavy work it's just about love so lord i'm asking for vision i'm asking that all of us Lord, could see that we're not here for ourselves. 
even though you do wonderful things for us, even though you want to bless us like, uh, like Zach shared about, God, those things are so true. Those are fringe benefits, but we have a higher calling than that. We're here for a purpose. And Lord, I'm asking that that purpose would begin to resonate in our hearts. Every one of us. God, I'm asking that not a person could go home from this place today and this, not, this word not affect them. That, it, that, that, that they wouldn't even have a question to you. God, I'm asking for our hearts. Lord, revival is coming. There's no question. It's been spoken over and over and over. And we've cried out for it. And God, we want to be your tools to walk it out. We want to affect our communities. God, we love the places that you gave us to love. We love living where we live. And Lord, if we don't, then change our hearts. Change them. Help us, God, to, to embrace the work that you're doing. I thank you. Excuse me. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for the love and fellowship of my brothers and sisters. Lord, they're the most awesome people that I could imagine walking through this life with. And Lord, when they hurt, we hurt. And when they rejoice, we rejoice. And that's the way it should be. So God, I'm asking for these things and for safety. And Lord, just for your uh, grace and your presence to go with us all this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 